Welcome to the Moose Room, everybody. The OG3 is here. Bradley is driving, but his audio seems pretty good. So he's here. He will be chiming in a little bit. We have a question from a listener today, and that's what we're addressing. We like to jump on these listener questions quick just because sometimes people really want the answer or need the answer uh, to help them in their day-to-day life, in their operation right away. Uh, And this question, there's multiple pieces of it. We're only going to tackle one today. And the major question is, what do I do with Salmonella Dublin? If I've identified it on my farm and I've been having problems with calves, what do I do when we talk about Salmonella Dublin, which is a tricky bug to get a handle on? So that's what we're talking about today. Salmonella Dublin, we appreciate listeners sending questions and please continue to do so. We love getting them. We love answering these questions. I love digging into the research to make sure that we have the right answer for you. So continue to do that, please. On another note, Emily, how are you doing today? I am, you know, doing good. I am a little bit tired today. So we've had some big programming and things happening uh, around the state. Joe, how are you feeling today? I bet you're tired too. I am tired. Looking at myself in the camera, I can see that my face is still covered in heat rash from programming yesterday. And you're like, heat rash? It's February in Minnesota. Well, when you put waterproof stuff on and you step into a hotel to do some programming, I feel like the hotel thermostat must have been set at like 80 degrees. Got a little hot yesterday lifting uh, Helga's calf in and out of her a bunch of times so that everyone could pull that calf out the back and we could work on things. So I'm sore and I'm tired. Yes, we had Helga's educational debut yesterday um, at Extension's Women in Agriculture Conference. And so Joe was there all day teaching women about dystocia and delivering calves properly. And it was a long, full day, but an awesome day. And, and I think Helga had a good time too. It was a, it was a lot of fun. I really, really did like it. It, it taught me a lot of things about what we need to do for future programming and how to make it work and have it go smooth, even smoother than it did. Cause it went very well yesterday, but got a little, few little tweaks and we'll, we'll get on it. But back to the subject today, Salmonella Dublin, this question came into Bradley, which I know surprises everyone. Someone, someone wanted to know what Bradley thought about something. Yeah, who would seek out his opinion? Sheesh. A lot of people do. You'd be surprised. Brad, tell us what tell tell us your experience with Salmonella Dublin if you have any, and kind of give us some background on what's going on with this this producer that asked a question. Well, I, you know, I don't really know a lot about Salmonella Dublin. We've we have never, I should say never, but we just don't see it very frequently, at least in our herd and some of the herds that I've worked with. So it's always an interesting challenge when producers come up with salmonella dublin and finding that i know some of our other calf facilities that we've worked with have had some issues with that i think it you know it really comes down to where the calves are coming from the source of the calves you know i think this producer is sourcing some calves uh from other places other farms uh sales barns and uh, those can be certain factors for different calfwood diseases a lot more than 
um, sometimes we expect them to be. So I think that's what you know this producer is faced with and challenging is trying to figure out, okay, we have it, now what do we do with it? And how do we treat these calves and, and make them better? So I want to back up ever so briefly because Brad hit on an important point and a sentiment that I share. I had never heard of Salmonella Dublin specifically until this question came in. So I did just a tiny bit of research. I want to shout out our colleagues at Michigan State University. Uh, They have a nice article kind of discussing what it is. But basically, it is um, a cattle host adapted strain of Salmonella. So basically, it is Salmonella that occurs in cattle specifically. can occur when susceptible calves ingest the bacteria shed by infected cows or calves. And diarrhea is really common with these types of salmonella infections. So we're talking salmonella, but specifically this Dublin strain sounds like it's a cattle occurring strain. So some more unique properties to it than I think just general salmonella that we might think about. Does that seem reasonable to you, Dr. Joe? Yeah, so the big thing with Salmonella Dublin when we talk about it is that Salmonella, there's there's um, so many serotypes, all the different types. So we, we identify Salmonella. And so you can identify Salmonella with culture, with PCR, with whatever test you're using, ELISA's. Usually when we're talking calves, it's a necropsy, then followed by some kind of screening on that that animal from samples that were set in. Then usually once we identify salmonella, we culture it. And the reason we culture that salmonella is that we really do want to know that serotype because how these different serotypes act, they all are different and they can they can act in a lot of different ways. Dublin specifically is one that occurs in cattle and it's adapted to cattle. What I need to make a point of right away for the safety aspect of everything is just because it's host adapted to cattle does not mean it's it's not zoonotic, meaning that it is zoonotic still because it can get people sick, even though it's adapted to cattle. So salmonella definitely transferred to people and they cause diseases in people. So we have to keep that in mind through all of this, especially if you're immunocompromised in any way. So that's old, young, pregnant, any kind of immunocompromising disease. We keep that in mind through all of this. In your experience, when you were practicing vet, running to lots of farms, seeing this kind of stuff, how often did you see Salmonella Dublin on farms? And what sort of is the prevalence? Or was it one that kind of, oh, well, we we have some diarrhea in calves, but we don't really know what it is? Or I'm just curious what the sort of, how, how often do we see it in dairy herds today or, or beef herds? So the, the problem is that it's it's on the rise. So that that's the big thing is that when we look at a lot of the data that comes from some of our, our diagnostic laboratories is that we're seeing more and more salmonella and, and definitely more and more salmonella Dublin. So it, it's fairly common. Uh, the thing that I'll say about salmonella in general, there's a lot of factors. Dublin has some very specific factors that we and risk factors associated with it. But in general, salmonellas, they show up when we have other management problems. So we have immune compromised calves in some way, whether that's not feeding enough or poor ventilation or poor sanitation 
scours or other things going on, and that allows salmonella to rear its ugly head. So that's one thing, but it is fairly common. The problem with it and the biggest problem with Salmonella Dublin is that most salmonellas cause diarrhea. Salmonella Dublin most of the time causes a respiratory issue, but they don't look like a standard respiratory calf in my mind. So when we have a, a standard pneumonia, which Brad, you just experienced with uh, Manheimia and working through some stuff up there, they cough and they breathe really hard and they they might be a little depressed, but they're coughing a lot. When we see Salmonella Dublin, in my experience, the calves are respiratories and they're breathing with increased effort and increased rate, but they don't cough and as much. And it's really strange because they, they just look overall really depressed and lethargic, but they don't look like a standard respiratory because they're not coughing as much. And it, it seems to hit their entire body a little more than just a standard respiratory. So anytime I walk into a barn and I've got a bunch of calves that are super depressed and I don't hear a lot of coughing, but everyone has that standard respiratory stance, even though they're not coughing, I really get worried about Salmonella Dublin right away. That That's one thing. It's, it's a little different to identify. It's fairly common. And then the biggest problem with it is once you have it, it becomes endemic fairly quickly because once a cow gets it or a calf gets it, they can become a asymptomatic carrier at some point. So a lot of times the most common way that it comes onto the farm is either through poor biosecurity and someone's brought fecal material from another farm that has Salmonella Dublin and that's how it gets introduced or we're bringing in calves from different sources if you're a calf grower and it's not a dairy so basically, anytime you don't have a closed herd, we've got a potential for Salmonella Dublin to come in in the form of an asymptomatic carrier that's shedding that bacteria all the time, basically. So it's a very frustrating bug to get a handle on. That's why I get really frustrated with it, because it hides and, and we have cattle that can shed it all the time. And, and it really comes down to being really careful with biosecurity and what animals you bring in. But it, if you're going to buy animals, if you're going to bring calves in, it's almost impossible to identify whether or not they have Salmonella Dublin ahead of time. So then it comes back to the management piece because you can have Salmonella Dublin and not ever have a problem, even though it's on your farm, if you're doing the management stuff really well. And you can really take care of a lot with just cleaning, sanitizing and feeding enough so that you have calves that are not immunosuppressed on your farm. So is it kind of one of those bugs that's always going to be there once you have it and you're, you know, it might lay low and then sometimes it rears its uh, ugly head or I, I think what you said is maybe it, we, we have to learn to manage it and do well with management practices to sort of limit its uh, ability. Is that, would, would I be wrong to say that it's, once you have it, it's already going to be, it's always going to be there? It's very difficult to get a handle on it unless you are immaculate with your internal biosecurity um, coming from between calves and from cows coming back to the calves. It's very difficult because when we talk about management strategies to get rid of it, if you do have it endemic on your farm, 
identifying these asymptomatic carriers or these these carrier animals is really difficult because right now, if we look at stuff from Cornell, Cornell is saying that, well, to identify those carrier animals, you need to have three very high positive ELISA tests on an animal in an eight eight month period to then be able to call them a carrier animal. That is completely impractical for identifying animals and then being able to get rid of them and call them out of out of it. So you're not going to call your way out of this problem, in my opinion. In most farms, because of how it works and how endemic it can be, is you're right, Brad, we're just managing it. Because once you have it, it's probably going to rear its ugly head every once in a while. But that's why we come back to management being so important. And then we can use a couple other strategies like vaccination to kind of decrease the severity when it does pop up because we have an issue. Vaccine strategies can help us decrease the severity of those outbreaks. But it's very frustrating because, yeah, once you have it, um, it's very, very difficult to get rid of that that endemic status. So if we think about it from a vaccine standpoint, what what do we do with vaccination? When should we vaccinate the calves? You know, or, or are we talking over-the-counter vaccines, or do we need to get an autogenous vaccine that's based on uh, the, the strain on our farm? Or what does a vaccine protocol look like when we're trying to deal with salmonella dogwood? Well, we don't have a good handle on this, and one of the and and I don't have a good handle on this either. And I think, especially when we talk about autogenous vaccines, I think they have a very important role to play. But I don't know enough about that, and that's why. Let's see. Today, tomorrow morning, actually, we're recording this on Wednesday. Tomorrow is the start for me of the bovine sessions at the MVMA annual conference. And my very first speaker breakfast meeting, 6.30 a.m., is someone from an autogenous vaccine company, and they're talking about salmonella because it's something that I, I wanted to know, and that's why I'm bringing them in. It's definitely something that I, I will learn more about. The autogenous piece I need to get a handle on. On the commercial side, we have some studies to show us that if we give those vaccines to calves, we're going to do pretty well. We can decrease the severity of our outbreaks when they do happen, potentially decrease how often they happen. But most of the time when we look at that data that's available, we're actually using that commercial vaccine in an off-label manner. So that's where you need to get your veterinarian involved because we're going to be using that vaccine off-label and mostly with the route. So in my experience with Salmonella Dublin, commercial vaccines, they're, they're labeled to be injectable vaccines and we're actually giving them orally uh, a lot of the time. That's something you need to talk to your veterinarian about to to have that happen on your farm because it is an extra label use. For me, vaccines are a very small piece of the puzzle, but they're an important piece. Uh, What we look at mostly is, I mean, we're back to our, our mantra for this show, right? Management, keeping everything clean, ideally removing calves from calving pens, from clean calving pens right away making sure that the calving pen gets cleaned out right away because we know salmonellas in general last really, really well in the environment to the point where if we do have a salmonella Dublin issue, let's say in a pasture-based herd and you're calving on pasture, if you know you have carriers for salmonella Dublin 
then that calving pasture can become a problem because salmonella can stay out there for quite a while. We even talk about where do we spread our manure and having that be a factor because salmonella can persist so well in the environment. We, we got to come back to the basics of management, get those calves away from mom right away. The environment has to be immaculate and clean. The worst situation, honestly, is probably these group housing situations where you can't avoid transfer from calf to calf. Um, so individual housing until you can get a vaccine on board sometimes becomes a recommendation. There's lots of different aspects that apply specifically to each operation. But for in general, it's all back to the basics. Don't have immunosuppressed calves. So that's clean, dry animals that get fed enough milk to have some body fat and have a good immune system. Colostrum has to be taken care of immaculately as well. And the environment has to be clean and sanitized. So, you know, all back to the management basics. Well, one thing that I've always wondered about and I always wrestle with because here in Morris, we have pigs on site too. And there are the swine scientists are always high on biosecurity you know you have external biosecurity you have internal biosecurity and most cattle people tend to be like oh yeah we're 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 biosecure when we're really not so what does a sort of maybe internal biosecurity look like you know is that do we as as people working with those calves do we need to be more diligent in having our boots clean, all of our clothes clean, things like that to prevent sort of spreading too? Does does that contribute to, you know, spreading of calf foot diseases like this? Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, it's something we need to think about more and more is internal biosecurity, especially, you know, external biosecurity gets all the hype, right? When we're talking about major disasters and when we talk about the potential for foreign animal diseases showing up in the U.S. and what are we going to do? That is all external biosecurity. But internal biosecurity, there's a few basic concepts that I think are, are probably missed on a lot of farms. And I see it most often, honestly, when we do uh, tours, right? So when we go to tours on dairy farms, you never start with the calves. You always start in the milk house and you go to the, the milking cows and then you end your tour with the calves. And in reality, we should go the opposite way. All pathogens spread from older to younger animals. So if you were going to do chores every morning with your calves, you would start with your youngest animals and you'd work older every day. That's just doing that alone will save you a lot of headaches. So biosecurity, when we're looking at working clean to dirty, basically, which all that really means is working young to older. So that's one thing. And then if you do have dedicated staff for calves, that's perfect because it keeps everything separate. But they're always coming in and out of the milk house. And that's where locker rooms are and everything like that. So you have to kind of pay attention to what's the cross contamination potential there. And then, you know, when we talk about smaller farms where a lot of employees and a lot of owners of these smaller farms, they're owner operators and they're doing pretty much everything. So in that situation, you probably need to have dedicated footwear and dedicated uh, coveralls for working with calves. Or at the very least, we need to be washing up if you are going to ever go backwards. Right. So if you're going to go from older animals to younger animals, 
You should be cleaning boots, potentially changing coveralls, definitely switching up gloves. That is huge. So I think just thinking about that, just just thinking about I want to work young to old. And if I go in the opposite direction, I need to clean up or change clothes. Uh, just doing that, I think, would be a huge, huge difference for a lot of farms. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the biosecurity aspect is probably not thought of as much. Uh, you know, I don't want to belabor on the, on biosecurity because it's always tough. Uh, you know, you're dealing with uh, calf diseases and nobody ever thinks about biosecurity right away because you want to sort of take care of the problem. But I think, you know, biosecurity should be on our mind 365 days of the year because that can, yeah, like I said, save a lot of headaches and heartaches uh, with with sick or, or high mortality rate in, in calves. Yeah, you know, and Joe's already said it, like it's the the unending theme here. It's about the management piece, right? When I feel like, especially whenever we're talking about diseases and infections and those types of things, it's, you know, that management, that awareness. And, you know, especially with biosecurity, you're right, like it can be easy to let that slip or we maybe don't think about it in every situation where it applies. So just being aware of those needs and how is that going to fit into your overall management style and plan? Absolutely. And and this disease, like a lot of diseases that function in this way where we have carrier animals, they really bring up this systems approach to the operation. We need to look at everything. I mean, we're talking everything. So we're looking at biosecurity, we're looking at nutrition, we're looking at bedding and keeping animals clean and dry. We're looking at anything else that could cause immunosuppression. We're also looking at rodent control because salmonella can infect rodents. So we're looking at rodent control and keeping things clean so we don't have spilled feed everywhere because that can be a factor. We're looking at, okay, well, six months ago, I spread manure from the adult cow herd on this field and then I'm grazing my replacement heifers. Well, I probably shouldn't be grazing my replacement heifers on that field or on that pasture where I spread that manure. So there's all these little things that interconnect and cause this thing. And all we're looking to do is break this chain of transmission from these carriers to younger animals. But to do that, it's a whole systems approach and it, it's a team effort. It's not just your veterinarian. You need your nutritionist involved. You need all of your employees on board. It's everybody to get this figured out. So probably created more questions today for people than answers. But this is this is a systems approach to figuring out a solution if you really want to figure it out. Otherwise, it's learning to live with it, dealing with it as much as possible, and stopping the outbreaks as much as possible by basically just taking care of management so well that it doesn't have a chance to have an outbreak. It all comes back to management and uh, like a lot of diseases and challenges. Absolutely. And I will report on what I find when we'll add to our conversation about using autogenous vaccines in this strategy. But remember, vaccines are a piece of the puzzle, but they are definitely not the silver bullet and they are not the one solution that's going to solve everything. We need to work on the whole system. So with that, I think we've got plenty of information on the tape. Uh, I hope this helped our producer with a question. We will continue to answer questions. We've got quite a lineup now, so there'll be some episodes and we'll get to them as quickly as we can. We have lots of questions to get to and we will we'll 
probably have to pull some guests in because some of these questions are quite complicated and they might even take multiple episodes to answer. So thank you for sending those questions in. Please continue to do so. All right, that is a wrap. If you have questions, comments, or scathing rebuttals about today's episode, or if you have a question for our mailbag that you would like answered on a future episode, you can email us at themoosroom at umn.edu. You can also call and leave us a voicemail at 612-624-3610. Find us on the web at extension.umn.edu. Find us on Twitter at UMN Moosroom, at UMN Farm Safety, and as always, find Bradley on Instagram at UMNWCROC Dairy. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.